Hey guys, it's Jamie Scrimger here, second wife, stepmom of three, and mom of one. And you're listening to my podcast, where we talk about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. If you're ready for raw and real conversations and are striving to live your very best life, then you are in the right place. Every week, I'll provide you with tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life while bringing you along as I create my own. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So on this week's episode, we are talking to Ashley from Our Splendid Life. So I have been following Ashley on Instagram for a while now, and she has a very admirable perspective on co-parenting and an even more unique story. So Ashley is currently co-parenting with her ex-husband from different states. And when I say co-parenting, I actually mean parallel parenting. After a long custody battle, experiences with parental alienation, and some unexpected decisions from a judge, Ashley made the heart-wrenching decision to give up primary residency of her daughter and send her to go live with her dad and stepmom. In this episode, we talk about what happened, why she made this decision, what life looks like for her and her daughter now, and the current dynamic of her co-parenting relationship. I'll give you a teaser. I believe she hasn't actually spoken to her ex in a couple of years. All right, guys, let's dive in. Hey, guys. So I am here with Ashley from Our Splendid Life. So welcome, Ashley. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, As I said, I have been following Ashley on Instagram for... I don't know, about a year and a half now. And your posts and your pictures and everything that you say, it literally, I love the raw and realness of it while still maintaining that positive attitude, which as you know, is kind of what I'm all about. So, you know, I definitely resonate with everything that you say. So thank you so much for just keeping that raw and real feed. The internet needs it. Oh, thank you so much. I love it. I love that connection that we have over social media. So it's been great. I know I'm sitting here talking to you and I just realized I'm like, oh no, this is the first time we're actually meeting, but I feel like (laughs) because we've been following each other for so long. Right. Awesome. Okay. So Ashley, for those who are following, who aren't familiar with you, um, can you just kind of give us, who are you? Who is Ashley? And give us a little lowdown on what our splendid life is all about. So yeah, like you said, um, I have a blog called Our Splendid Life. And it actually started when I was going through the hardest part of my custody battle with my daughter. And she is 10 years old. And we decided to let her live with her dad a few years ago. And so we're kind of navigating the process of long distance visitation and non-custodial parental alienation and how all of that fits together within our family. And I'm remarried. And so we have children together and how that looks for us as a blended family. And yeah, so um, my blog, I just share about the trials and the struggles that we've had, but also how we find you know, those splendid moments as a blended family. Yeah. And you, and you do it so, so well. So what, you know what, you know what, there's just so much to go over and so many questions that I have to ask. You. So let's back our check up and let's talk about, you know, your daughter. And so your daughter, you chose to let her live with her dad. And, you right. know, it's so funny when I was, well, maybe funny is not the right word, but it's just interesting. You know, I always thought over my dead body, would I ever let my child go live with? And I'm not in that situation, but if, you know, Darren and I were separated, would I ever just, you know, let him have primary visitation? But then I started listening to your story and reading your posts 
And I realized, you know, what if I really did feel in my heart of hearts that that was the right thing? That was the right thing for my child. I think it would be, you know, a whole different ballgame. And I think what you did was so admirable. So I want to back up and let's, you know, talk about that. So, you know, tell me about your daughter and how that whole, just the whole story and how that started. Yeah, absolutely. So I went through a really messy custody battle with my daughter. So we really had to fight for her and kind of from the very beginning, it was this really difficult situation. And so I actually, when we separated, I had my daughter for a whole year by myself and no contact from her dad. And so I thought it would be a really easy, (laughs) you know, start to finish case that we would just, the divorce would go through really quickly and we would move on with our lives. And when that didn't happen, you know, I had to go through the court system and the court process and we established custody and visitation and it was so chaotic. It never felt like it was working out. Like it always felt like there was something else that we were stressing about, something else that we were worried about. So what actually ended up happening was we moved to Utah and her dad stayed back in the Southeast where he was living at the time. And we just felt like, especially with the court paperwork, it's really hard because it's so ambiguous sometimes. Like there's always this gray area that can be interpreted, but you know, in different ways. And so I felt like she could fly by herself. Her dad said, no, I felt like she shouldn't miss school. Her dad said she could miss school. And so there were all of these little things every single time she was traveling to see him. And it was once a month, it was one weekend a month that she was leaving and going. And it just became this you know, incredibly hard struggle for our family to find any sort of consistency in parenting and just living a a life with, you know, trying to navigate this long distance custody visitation schedule. And so we were ready to go back to court. I just said, I can't do this anymore. We're going to fight. We're going to... Because obviously that's your instinct as a mother is you don't want her to live with anyone else. And I wanted to protect her and keep her with me. And I got off the phone with my attorney. We were ready to, you know, submit the court documents again and to go right back and start fighting again. And I just had this feeling that she needed to live with her dad. And of course I was like, no way (laughs) that's not going to happen. You know, for so long, we have tried to do everything we can to get her as much as possible and, and for her to live with us. But the more I felt this prompting that this is what needed to happen for her, the more peace I felt about it. And even though logically it didn't make any sense. And, you know, of course it's really hard to fight that and to justify it. And even, you know, we didn't have a lot of support from other people and our families, like no one really understood why I was making this decision. But really now that she lives over there, I see that it's so good for her. And my perspective has changed because I know that she's loved in so many different ways by so many different people. And this is part of her journey. And so to think of it more of um, about her and not about me, like it's not about what I want. And as a parent, you want what's best for your children. And you think you know what that is, but that's not always the case because she has a journey and a story and it's going to be different no matter what, you know, each child is so different. And so processing through that was really hard for me. But now that I see her and I see how well she's doing and how well adjusted she is, and I have control now over, you know, she's not missing school and I get to go visit her. And, you know, our family dynamic has changed a lot, but it's been the best decision for our family. And yeah, we're just happy that she's loved by so many people. And that she's doing well. Cause you know, I was listening to something that you had said, I think it was another podcast that you were on and you had said how, you know, Sunday nights were huge transitions for her. Like it wasn't like just preparing for school. She was flying to come home and returning home late at night and like leaving on the weekends. And that's just a lot of transition for 
a young girl, right? And yeah. I, I can't imagine getting her used to that transition and trying to kind of establish some routine amongst that. Cause I know for us, you know, we have my stepkids every other week. So we have a week on week off schedule. And even those Monday and Tuesdays, like it's a bit of an adjustment period every single time to get everyone adjusted right. and back to the flow of things in that house. So throw in like suitcases and flight yeah. and costs that come with that. Obviously that the costs aren't necessarily her issue, but like it's just a lot on a little girl. Oh, so, absolutely. So now you, what does your schedule look like with her now? So that has been actually really difficult. And I think it's harder on me than it is on her because looking at our calendar, I don't want to take her away from anything that she has going on. And so we looked at our October calendar, for example, and she had some birthday parties that she was invited to and she didn't have a school break and the long break didn't work out with my kids long break here. Like the dates didn't match up. And it was so hard because I felt like I needed to get out there to see her or she needed to come here because we wanted to make sure that we got that visitation in, but it just wasn't working. And so that's a huge source of stress for me because I feel like I'm in control of planning this. But you know, I think as a mother, you think I'll do anything for my kids. Like I just want them to be happy. And I didn't realize how much of a sacrifice it would be to not see her as much as I want to. Like I want to be there for everything and I want to be able to go see her, but realistically that doesn't always happen. So I like to say that I see her every six to eight weeks, you know, and we thought we would fly her out here for Thanksgiving. And instead I'm actually going to be flying to Florida for a week at the end of November, because that's just how it would work better for her to not miss school. And then, you know, with babysitters for my young kids out here in Idaho, like it's just, it's really hard because I know that... I don't get to see her as much as I want to, but usually over the holidays I get her, I technically could get her one weekend a month if it worked out that way. It just seems like, especially when she flies out here, she loses, you know, there's a time difference and then there's a, basically a full day of travel. And then you have to coordinate with the airlines and their unaccompanied minor policy. And there's so many hoops for her to jump through that it's a lot easier for me to go out there. But then when I do that, I leave my husband and kids here and then they need help, you know? So it's kind of just this, I'm lucky to get her whenever I can. So it really is just looking at the calendar and figuring out when it's going to work and hoping that everything falls into place. And usually it does. So. And did you have her for the entire summer then? Yeah, I do. I get her for the whole summer and then every holiday. So I do get her the long breaks. And what's great about that is we've changed that dialogue with her is we don't want to say who she's living with. We like to just say who she goes to the school, you know, who she lives with during the school year versus who she stays with in the summer. I mean, it's as close to 50-50 as you're going to get living, you know, 3,000 miles away or whatever it is. Yeah. And totally. And you know what, it definitely, it, it probably is, you know, 60, 40 even, right. When you right. factor in all of those breaks and it's just a different way of splitting things up that seems to be in her best interest. Now I was thinking, do you talk openly to her about this and your decision to let her go live with her dad and about all of that? Because, you know, I always look back and I'm on my own childhood because I was a child of divorce. And sometimes I'm like, you know, why did they make that decision or what, what went on there? And obviously there's different perspectives, right? Like the yeah. perspective of the child and the perspective of the parent. And I've come back and asked my parents just certain questions as to why they navigated things that, the way they did. And I wish that they would have had maybe an open dialogue with me growing up about certain things things so that I didn't have so many questions. Do you talk to her about why that decision was made? 
Yeah, I do. And I actually feel like, especially with her, she, her personality is very much like she wants to have that validation and appreciation from each parent. And so it's really hard. It's a fine line, especially when you're a blended family to share your side of the story to an only to an extent where you're not talking bad about the other parent. Right. You know, and I've always just been very open with her and we do have that really that close conversation where we don't, you know, we feel comfortable with just sharing our feelings and, and how she knows my heart. I just, I know that she knows where I'm coming from, but it's also a matter of making sure that she doesn't know the whole story at times. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of that fine line of what do you want to share with her? Especially because, and I think a lot of kids do this, they kind of like to play the parents against each other, you know? And so just trying to eliminate that and saying, you know, we don't talk about certain things because it's just spreading negativity and there's no benefit to that. So yes, we are very open on why we don't talk about certain things either, you know? Yeah. And you know what? I think that's so important because we all have a lot of parents say to me, well, you know, my child said, or my stepchild said this to me, and I obviously needed to defend myself and, you know, tell them the truth. And, you know, I think it's important to remember that our truth as parents isn't necessarily the truth that the kids need to hear, right? There are very Absolutely. much issues that need to remain with the adults. And sure, there's going to be conversations when they become adults, when they have the real questions and are wondering what the heck happened. But while they're kids, it just seems to be, it's just way too much for their little brains to process, right? And they already have enough issues and enough extra stressors because their parents aren't together. Then you add that into the mix. And I just think that's very admirable of you. So you talk a lot about parental alienation. Can you give us just a little bit of background on your experience with parental alienation and how that's shaped you into a, you know, you have a blog and an online platform about co-parenting and just how you kind of have navigated that in your own situation? Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's actually interesting because I love the fact that my daughter has a stepmom who loves her so much. I really appreciate it. And I think that it's a wonderful relationship that they have. But as far as the parental alienation goes, it's frustrating to know that she is spreading like, and there's really no reason for it. But other than like, you know, during the summer, she'll say things that aren't really happening to her stepmom for validation and for attention. And, and not only that, but so that's kind of part of it. And that's more recently what we've been going through. But the parental alienation that really happened mostly was when she was living with us. And we were having a lot of every time she went to their house, he was the Disneyland dad and he was always, you know, kind of saying bad things about us. And that to me, I feel like puts your child in such a bad position. Like it's really not her choice to hear that. You know what I mean? Like there's, it was a, it was a struggle for us, I think, to figure out how to stop it without, you know, like defending yourself, you know, but at the same time, making sure that she knows that that's not really what's happening. So that's kind of the parental alienation that we faced. And to be honest, in our situation, we actually do more of a parallel parenting approach. So when she's at our house, she has our rules and she lives by a totally different set of actions and consequences. And we do a lot of positive reinforcement. And at her dad's house, I am not involved in that. Like, I don't know how, you know, she doesn't have to clean her room and she doesn't have, you know, certain rules and guidelines that we follow at our house, but it works for us. And it eliminates the stress for everyone when you realize that co-parenting isn't going to work. Like I know that we can't have that weekly conversation. I don't talk to her dad very often. Like I communicate with her stepmom and we have a good relationship because of that. Because if we were involved and we were trying to force it, it would be constant tension and it would just, it just wouldn't work. And so 
I appreciate that when she's there, she's happy and healthy and safe. And I can step back and just, you know, enjoy those conversations that I have with her checking in and making sure that everything is good, but leaving it at that and not trying to force my opinions and how I think she should be raised while she's with them. And they do the same for me. So that's kind of how we've been handling the co-parenting, you know, parallel parenting situation. But yeah. So when I first became a stepmom, it did not take me long to realize that I was in over my head. So one night I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Honestly, don't get me wrong. I was in love with my husband. The kids were great, but man, I was in over my head. So I did what we all do when we're looking for support and I went to the internet, but I was so disappointed with what I found. Even though my news feed was overflowing with support and resources for quote unquote real moms, there was nothing for stepmoms. Well, actually, that's not true. There was a lot of complaining, a lot of negativity, a lot of Facebook group vent sessions, but I knew that wasn't going to make anything any easier. I needed someone to tell me what to do to thrive. I wanted to live a kick-ass life amongst the extra stressors and drama and insecurities that came with being a stepmom. I really just wanted to have a great family life. So I decided to figure it out on my own. And after a lot of work on myself, a lot of work on my marriage, some therapy, and digging deep into all the step family resources I could find... The stressors that used to send me to the bathroom floor or feel so overwhelmed that my hands would literally shake don't even phase me anymore. Want to know what I did to get to this place? Well, I will show you exactly how. So the Kick-Ass Stepmom Project is an exclusive community and course for stepmoms, and it outlines step-by-step what I did to change my stepfamily life. So as a life coach with a specialization in stepfamily dynamics, a former child protection worker, a stepmom, and a child of divorce, I've basically combined my personal and professional experience and created the type of support that I was looking for when I found myself on that bathroom floor. To learn more and to hear what stepmoms who have completed the program have to say, head to www.thekickassstepmomproject.com. Let's be real here. How freaking hard is that when your daughter is being raised in a way that like with rules and expectations and and that kind of thing that you don't necessarily agree with or isn't necessarily aligned with the way you would do it? Because stepmoms reach out to me all the time and they say, you know, this is what's happening at my stepchildren's mom's house. And like, how do we stop it? And I'm like, ah, you can't, right. You can't control how someone else parents or what their values are or how they choose to, you know, enforce consequences, you know, and at the end of the day, unless there's a safety concern, you can't really say anything. Right. No, I think it's really hard and it takes a while to shift your perspective. And that's really all it is, is taking control of what you can control. You can only, you know, you can only make decisions for yourself and your family. And so just standing in that truth and knowing that you're doing everything that you can. I love that. And I also think it makes a big difference in for your child if you are secure in in what you're doing and not trying to force yourself on the other situation. Like if you're just saying that you're happy with how things are going in your sphere of control and, you know, allowing them to, to have that freedom to really experience both parents and their parenting skills for themselves. Like, and what's interesting to me is at first I like with my daughter, when she was living with us, we did enforce the rules and we, you know, we're, we're pretty strict. And now that she lives with her dad, it's interesting because she's half of him. You know what I mean? Like genetically, she's half of me and half of him. And she's so much more like her dad, just 
in personality and everything. So when she's living with them, it almost feels like a better fit because even though that's not how I would want her to be raised, that's how it's going to be best for her because her stepmom knows how to like, obviously I didn't get along well with her dad. Right. You know, like we didn't work out. (laughs) And so trying to raise someone who's like her dad is kind of a struggle and realizing like those tendencies and those natural habits that she has developed from him. It's actually a better fit for her stepmom to, to guide her. And you know, it's all going to work out. It's going to be fine. And yeah. yeah. I think that's such a great point. And you know, that's a good point when you say it's all going to be fine. And I think it's so important for people who are co-parenting and especially when they're not on the same page to remember that there are so many different parenting styles and so many different ways of going about things. And all of these kids turn out pretty okay, right? It's, it's It's not the end of the world. And even though in the moment when you just kind of want to control everything for your baby, it feels like it's the end of the world and it feels like it's the biggest deal. Sometimes it's just not, right? Like it's just, yeah. yeah. So here's a question for you. So you're on summer vacation or summer break and she's with you. Do you ever get the, well, I don't have to do that when I'm at with dad. Do you ever get that kind of rebuttal back to requests? I do. And I think a lot of it, and she's that age too. You know what I mean? Like she's going to be 11. So it's kind of hard to decide whether it's like, is it just because she's that age and she's going through all of this transitioning or is it because she needs attention? Like, I think a lot of it probably comes with both. So I think the way that we handle it most of the time is just by saying that when you live with us, we, you follow our rules and we appreciate that you're here and you're a part of our family and it's accepting and loving instead of creating that rift and just saying, Oh, well, we're, we don't do things that way over here. You know, we just want, we want her to feel like she's a part of our family when she's here. And as a part of our family, these are the expectations. So it's just reframing it. Yeah. And I love that. And it's definitely a situation where how you respond can make or break how well that conversation goes, because we get that here sometimes and they'll say, Oh, well, mom, let me do that. And it would be very easy just to kind of snap back and say something, but you just say, well, like that's the rules there. And that these are the rules here. And it's just kind of, that's just the way it is. And everyone kind of chooses how to run their house in a way that works best for them. So I love that. So you talk a lot about her stepmom. So can you tell me about your relationship with her? You say that you talk to her more than you talk to. uh, Oh yeah. I honestly, I think I, I don't think I've talked to my ex in two years. Like it's really, and when we did see each other, it was like at a, a drop off and we just said, hi, how's it going? Like it really, there are no conversations with him, but I think it works really well because I appreciate her stepmom and the role that she's taken on with my daughter. I think that she's a very healthy influence for her, even though she is totally different than me. Like we, we have different perspectives, but I really appreciate that though. And I think that my daughter needs both relationships to be really healthy and she needs both role models and in different ways. And so she's going to reach out to her stepmom for certain things. And she's going to reach out for me for certain things. And I'm okay with that because I think that she brings a different dynamic to my daughter's life. I can't provide that. And so she actually is really lucky that she has both of us kind of on her team, you know? So, and I appreciate that. And I think, so her stepmom and I talk and we work things out. And I, you know, for the most part, we have a really good relationship. It's just very, I would say our communication is pretty limited to just, you know, scheduling and making sure everything is going smoothly. Like, but yeah, yeah. And she's great to work with. So. 
I love that. And I love like when you say that it's just an extra person to love her and that we both provide her with different things. Honestly, that just like fills me up. Yeah. Inside. Oh, like, I know. <laughs> I, I wish that everyone had that perspective because I, you know, even though it is hard and when you're co-parenting and you're in these blended family situations, there's a lot of emotions that sometimes don't bring out our shiniest qualities, right? Right. And very difficult to deal with, but being able to kind of rise above that and, you know, those natural feelings of jealousy or, you know, whatever may come up and just think of it what's best for your daughter. I just, I don't know. I, sorry. I just love, I love hearing that. That's yes. kind of what I'm trying to achieve through my platform. So my last question for you is what does her like dad and stepmom think about your online platform? Because that's a question that I get all the time from people. And I know there are situations where it does cause a huge issue. So I've always kind of been curious about how you navigate your way around that. Yeah. So I think it just depends. I'm always very cautious. And I know I keep them in mind when I post things, especially at the very beginning, I would even run posts by her and I would sometimes it's funny little things that would kind of get under their skin because I would say, her other family and, and they would be unhappy with the way that I phrased it. And I'm like, I just don't know what else to call you. <laughs> like, give me a better word to use, you know? And so it was having that open communication at first. And, you know, I don't get a lot of pushback. A lot of the times it just seems to me like they stay out of it, you know, like they just don't, you know, they're not really, they don't follow, they don't, it's, it's just a, I think maybe a point of drama that doesn't need to be there. And so they feel like they just don't need to be a part of it. So at least from what I understand and how they treat me with it, that's how it comes across. But funny thing is though, so my cute little girl, um, I don't, we don't let her get on YouTube. That's like our, you know, that's one of the things that she's not allowed to do with us, but they let her get on YouTube and she found me on YouTube and found one of the videos that I did. And I guess they were walking in the mall and she said something to her dad that she heard me say on YouTube. And I was like, Oh no, that's like not the way you want her to hear it. And so it's one of those, I mean, it's hard because, you know, especially with my daughter, like I'm very open with her, but that's a conversation that should have been between her and I. And so the fact that it was like leaked to her through this YouTube channel was hard. And then her dad and her stepmom kind of had to damage control and, 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 and have that conversation with her. And that's probably the only time we've had an issue with it was her like finding it and hearing part of her story that they weren't, no one has really, you know, talked about because it's line upon line. I don't think she's ready to hear all of it yet, but I'm sharing it with the world. And so I think that's been one of the things that maybe we would have to have that conversation, I guess, together, but it, it was fine because then we were able to kind of go back and say, you know, you're not ready for both sides of the story yet. And we'll talk to you about it later, but yeah. Yeah. I know I had, um, one time my stepson, I just got a notification that he'd subscribed to my YouTube channel. I'm like, Oh my gosh. But yeah, it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate because you know, you're trying to share your story and I know we're both just trying to inspire women and, you know, open up the conversation about blended families. Cause there is still this uh, huge stigma against it all. Right? right. But in doing that, you still have to kind of find a way to be respectful of the people in your life because your story isn't necessarily their story to tell. Right. Um, and so, yeah, it can, I, I definitely know from experience, I'm very cautious about what I say and how I say it. And if anyone in my family ever has an issue with it, things just come down. Like, it's just like, they're, yeah. they're definitely, right. they're definitely number one, but it's, it's interesting way to navigate it. And it's definitely the number, do you get asked this question all the time? Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. I get asked all the time. And I think it's funny because I am very open and I think that there's connection and vulnerability. So I appreciate that. And I think that, you know, being genuine and open and honest is really important, but you know, there are obviously certain things that I would, I, I don't know, like you definitely have to be cautious about. And so I like to say whenever I'm talking about it, that there's three sides to every story. And I really think that I think that there's my perspective and his perspective and the truth is probably right in the middle, you know? And so it's not my you know, it's not my responsibility to, to edit myself in a way that, you know, I like to just, instead of editing, I like to just say that, you know, this is my perspective and share my feelings about it instead of saying, this is exactly what happened. And this is the truth. And this is, you know, I, because I don't believe that. I think that the truth is just somewhere in the middle. And I love that because I always talk about how there's two, you know, everyone sees the world through a different lens. Right. And right. You know, I was reading this book once, I think it was the book, um, no one's a bitch is a stepmom resource. And it was such an eye-opening experience to read this book because it was written by a stepmom and a mom. And they were talking about the day that they met each other and their recollection of that event, that very same event oh, that right. it, yeah. was two very different stories. So it would, you know, it really is something to remember. Like we all look at the world through our own experiences and our own lens and, you know, the stories that we tell ourselves along the way. So I love that so much for, for sharing that. Yeah. All right, Ashley. So I, you know what, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on this podcast. You know, there's so much that we can learn from you and your perspective and your ability to put your daughter's needs before your own. And it goes back to that. You know, I say often, you know, our kids are people, they're not timeshares. And you are a prime example of someone who really is implementing that into your day to day. Yes. I love that so much. Thank you for sharing and thanks for connecting. I love following along. So, so can you just, before I uh, let you go, where can everyone find you? Yeah. So just come find me at rsplendidlife.com or if you type our splendid life in on Instagram or Facebook, it should pull right up. My name's Ashley Michelle. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you over next time. All right. Thanks, Jamie. Bye. Okay, guys, if you like this podcast, please do me a little favor. Take a second and subscribe on iTunes and then screenshot this podcast. Give it a share in social media and tell your friends what you think. And hey, don't forget to tag me so that I can thank you for helping me spread the word. Thanks so much. And I will talk to you next week.